Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do so. Go to the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Remember, we can always be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to... The Porch here on Fire Fall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. As the voiceover said, the red letter basics, this is the place. If you want a pure, unfiltered word, then you have come to the right place. If you're looking to have your ears tickled and to be lied to to feel good, this is not the place. Firefall. Network on YouTube, up and running. Go there, like it, subscribe so that you know when more videos are posted. Porchlight Testimony Times with Larry Barrett and Joe Citrone are up there. New testimonies in the weeks to come, plus other videos and Bible studies. This is the community part of the porch. If you don't want to be a part of this, go to the next shofar, which will take you right into the Bible study. This is where we do praise reports and prayer requests. If you'd like to be a part of that, as it said in the opening, you can go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us at the porch, lowercase, one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. As long as you get them in before Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, they will be included. If not, I will still get them, be able to pray about it, be able to share with the community. We start out with praise reports first. Never enter his presence without praise and thanksgiving. I praise him for my salvation. Always, 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 each and every day. I don't have anything without that. I don't have my wife. I don't have... My sons, or daughter-in-laws, or grandsons, I don't have the furry kids. I don't have this house or the technology. I have nothing, and most of all, I would have no place in eternity with him. But now I have everything because of him, because of the blood he shed on the cross, and because of the love that he had for me. So I praise him for that. I praise him for provision. Yes, we could always use more, because if we have more, We can give away more. Don't raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. And that's what we'd like to do. And that's what I've been able to do with the money that comes into the porch. I've been able to support another ministry out in California called Media Focus. It's a ministry to the industry. And as people needs, I've been able to do that. Not as much as I'd like, but I always make sure that we do. So if you give, that's where it goes, plus to keep everything up and running. I want to say to keep the lights on, but you know what I mean. I praise him for his protection. Psalm 91, always in effect if you activate it. It's yours. Whatever you need, praise him for it. For the dreams and the visions and living out Joel 2.28 and everything that was given to us in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. I praise him for his healing virtues. They're always available. Believe them. Receive them. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be in accordance with your divine design and in 
in accordance with his word. Praise him for the revelation of the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with him directly, but also through the Holy Spirit. I don't need somebody to come tell me. I don't need some YouTube prophet to tell me what God's doing. I know. I study his word. I watch the signs of the times. And also, I have access to the throne room just as you do. I am thankful and I praise him that I am a new creation, living in these prophetic times, watching prophecy being fulfilled. So now let's pray. Psalm 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I pray for Jerusalem each and every day. I pray for Israel. I pray for their protection. I pray for their leadership. I pray for them to stay in alignment with God's will and God's word. They have failed that in the past and they have suffered for it. I pray for America. That our leaders would wake up. That those that do not know him would know him. Those that do not listen to or submit to him would do so. But I also pray that God would do whatever he has to do to get America on the right track. Praying for all the people that are being victimized all across the world by their corrupt leadership. We know that as we get closer to the end and the time of the Antichrist, corruption and sin will abound. And we're seeing the deep, darkening shadows of that looming over the land. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the, the, the poor in spirit, the innocents, those that are being victimized and those that are being are victims of injustice. We will not see justice until the king returns. We will not see peace till the prince of peace returns. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't pray. We should pray. We should plead. We should intercede. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. What we do today to his creation is disgusting. It's sinful. It's evil. It's ugly. And it's painful to watch. I pray for the victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, all the things that the enemy is doing and has gotten away with for too long. I pray for them. I pray that they would be discovered. I pray that they would be healed and delivered. But if they won't submit and if they won't repent, then let God deal with them in accordance with their actions. For our brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted, being slaughtered, being displaced, homes destroyed, places of worship destroyed because they worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray for them. I pray against the spirit of the Antichrist, and and everything that he's doing. He's behind the scenes somewhere. I know that. I can feel it. I can sense it, but it's not his time. And as long as we're here, as long as the church is here, as long as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're going to push back. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing. As I mentioned before, the praise report, now I offer it as a prayer request. That each and every one of us, no matter what we're going through, first of all, we'll do what we need to do to eat right, take care of our bodies, do everything we need to live in this fallen world. But then when it gets beyond our abilities, we cry out to him, we speak to him, we pray to him, and we believe and we receive in Yeshua's name. I'm praying for the remnant. That's what you are. If you're here, you're not traditional church. You're the remnant. We are the church. We are the remnant. And I pray that those that are supposed to be a part of it, maybe they don't need to be here, it would be nice, but that they would wake up, that they would find their place and take it and stand with us, that the provision needed would come to open the doors, to finish the documentary. I can't tell you what the next mission is. I know what it is. I also know that it won't be done with basic donations. We need this blessing. We need the provision that Larry and I pray for each and every day. We need for it to happen. Join with us in prayer that your needs would be met. That the kingdom 
finances would flow for kingdom business. Not to glorify ourselves, not to build edifices or idols or things of ego, but to build his kingdom. We pray for our lost family members to come in. Call them in right now. As I pray, you speak out their name. We're going to keep doing this, and you're going to get praise reports, and you're going to send in. And remember, when you prayed that day for family members, well, they came in. They got saved. Father, in the name of Yeshua, your Son, our Lord and Savior, send your spirit, send your angel, send somebody to them right now, maybe to remind them of their childhood, maybe to remind them of of a pledge that they made in church or camp or somewhere. Remind them of how much you love them. And we say in agreement, come home, come home, come into the kingdom, spend eternity with your family. I pray those things in Yeshua's name. Amen. I have one reminder. If you're a part of the porch community, you know who these names are. If you're on Facebook, you're already in the messenger group, or you should be. If you need to know, write me, and I'll tell you. The only thing I have is a reminder from Dawn. Remember, we prayed for her surgery. That was yesterday. It went well. They found more than they expected. They fixed as much as they could cleaned up what needed to be removed. She's recovering, still in the hospital. So we're going to pray for healing, for recovering and restoration, and for there to be no hiccups, for the enemy not to do anything out of the the alignment with God's will. So keep Dawn in your prayers. Father, each and every person that's part of this family, I pray for them. Pray for them every day whether they're having marital troubles, financial troubles, health problems. The enemy's bombarding their minds, their hearts, their soul, and their spirit. We stand together. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And we stand strong. And we push back because we're your kids. We love you, Abba. We love you. And we know you love us. The reason we know that is because you made a way for us. After Adam did what he did, you made a way. You sent Yeshua, your only begotten son, to die for us, to shed his blood, to wash away our sins, and restore us in right relationship with you. So, Father, we praise you. We love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the upper room and that fire that still falls that still flows, that burns inside of us. We thank you for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for walking with us, encouraging us, consoling and comforting us. Thank you for teaching us. Tonight we need that. We need you to expand upon the word, open people's eyes, open their hearts, their minds, their souls, and their spirit. Now, Lord, bless the technology, bless and protect us. Shine your glory down upon us. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So last week we talked about context and concept, about not taking scripture out of context and using it for your own purposes. Interestingly enough, I encountered that on social media this week. I posted something, and somebody responded um, somewhat in correction, a scripture completely out of context, and I addressed it from that perspective. But there was scripture at the end from James. Let 
4-7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And that was the scripture I based the lesson on, which I said tied us back to Ephesians 6-11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, which also tied us to 1 Peter 5-8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, which, interesting, the word devil means adversary. Your adversary, the adversary, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I pointed out that rebuking or resisting the devil has no power Unless you submit to God first, cleanse yourself spiritually, purify your thoughts from the things of this world, and humble yourself. Once you do that, he will lift you up back into right relationship. Pointed out that when you're near to the Lord in right relationship with him, the enemy doesn't want to be around. Then... And only then is when he flees. He's not fleeing from you. He's fleeing from the one who has lifted you up. He's fleeing from the one that you're next to. It's not about you, but it's about who he is. I've been posting memes I'm creating almost daily on social media, whether it's SRT or The Porch or under my personal one, uh, under Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But if he's fleeing from you, because you have submitted to God and done everything I said. Does that mean you have blanket immunity in this fallen world? I'll tell you what, let's allow the word to answer that question. Let's go to First Peter chapter 4. And I'm going to be taking the section 12 to 19. Since I taught about context and concept and how things were written in chapters and books as opposed to verses, if you paid attention over the years, sometimes I just refer to a chapter. We're going to do that more. I'm going to get you out of the practice of fixating on scriptures. It's good to know them, but to, to understand the thought that's being given. First Peter chapter 4 in this section Peter wants to share about the sufferings we share with Messiah, starting with verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you, that is, to test the quality of your faith, as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. But insofar as you are sharing Messiah's suffering, keep on rejoicing, so that when his glory filled with his radiance and splendor is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. If you are insulted and reviled for bearing the name of Messiah, you are blessed, happy, with life, joy, and comfort in God's salvation, regardless of your circumstances. Because the Spirit of glory and of God is resting on you and indwelling you, he whom they curse, you glorify. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or any sort of criminal in response to persecution or as a troublesome meddler interfering in the affairs of others. But if anyone suffers ill treatment as a Christian because of his belief, he is not to be ashamed but is to glorify God because he is considered worthy to suffer in this name. Make a note there in this name, the name of a Christian worthy to suffer. For it is time, it is the time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not respect or believe or obey the gospel of God? And if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the godless and the sinner? Therefore, those who are ill-treated and suffered, suffer in accordance with the will of God, must continue to do right and commit their souls for safekeeping to the faithful Creator. Pointed out that word Christian. I don't use it much. I'm a believer. When they say a believer in who? I'm a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. 
The word Christian only occurs in here. I just read it to you. Acts 11, 26 and Acts 26, 28. It was considered an insult. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says the term Christian began to appear in extra-biblical material around the end of the first century and beginning of the second century A.D. in both Jewish and secular contexts. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says terms used to designate Messiah's early followers as groups or as individuals, Christians, followers of Christ. In the earliest years of the Christian era, era, when the church was unified, listen to this, folks. This is not Richard. This is the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. In the earliest years of the Christian era, we now know before 100 AD, when the church was unified, no denominational names, Baptist, Roman Catholic, nothing, no denominational names existed. Local churches did not have names, but were known by their location, such as the church at Ephesus. Nor was there a single official name for this new, quote, Christian movement. Many designations were used for the followers of Christ, and these changed as the historical situation changed. Many Christians considered them simply considered themselves simply Jews who followed Jesus. Okay, we've established that. I made that point. That was a little off-road for me. But it's a derogatory term. Acts 11:26 uh, for the entire year, they met with the others in the church and instructed large numbers, and it was at Antioch that the, first, the disciples were first called Christians. It wasn't a label they sought or even encouraged. They were being demeaned with that term. Again, these were Jews, and even the Greek proselytes who knew the Jewish disciples and apostles did not call themselves Christians. The enemy did that. The Romans did that. There is persecution even in the name. And isn't it interesting how the enemy got us to identify with the name that was the insult? Let's get back to that idea of blanket immunity and protection. If you if you read the memes on social media of all these social media preachers and prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S, they'll tell you no warfare. Demons are afraid of you. You don't have to fight. Just go out. Live your best life now. Oh, really? What life did the apostles live? What life do the church leaders of faith live? Well, let's do a simple question. How did the apostles die? Simon, originally known as Peter, according to tradition, tradition, Peter died in 64 to 68 AD during Nero's persecution of the church. He was crucified upside down on a cross. Andrew, was crucified on what's called the St. Andrew's cross. It's the shape of an X. He was not nailed to the cross, but it was tied. It took several days before he died. It is said that he preached while hanging on the cross. James, son of Zebedee, died in 44 AD. He was beheaded by King Herod I, who launched a new persecution of Christians. He was the first martyr among the twelve apostles. John, the beloved, who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos before he was released and went to Ephesus where he died about 100-105 A.D. But they did try to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil. They tried to feed him to lions. But he's the only one who died a natural death. Yay, John. Philip died in Heriopolis, Turkey by hanging in 80 A.D. Bartholomew, originally known as Nathaniel, administered in Armenia 
and he was flayed to death with knives in India. Matthew, Matthew died a martyr's death in Ethiopia. Thomas, originally known as Didymus, Thomas died near Madras, India. In AD 70, he was killed with a spear. James, son of Alphaeus, known as James the Less, tradition says James was crucified in Lower Egypt and then sawed into pieces around 62 AD. Thaddeus was martyred in Persia. He died by arrows. Simon the Zealot, Simon the Canaan, was crucified. says he died with Thaddeus. And we know Judas Iscariot hung himself, so he wasn't persecuted. He persecuted himself. The enemy got him. That's all according to the Fox's Books of Martyrs. So I got a question for you. I have a question for all these people that teach you have a guardian angel. You're protected. Nothing can happen to you. Where were their guardian angels? Were they asleep? Did they miss the memo? Where was their blanket immunity? I mean, these were people that were doing great things. They were healing the sick, raising the dead. They were spreading the gospel. They walked with the Lord. You'd think he would have stopped that from happening. Open Doors USA, the Christian persecution we read about in Scripture and history books is not a thing of the past. It still exists. Today in the 21st century, we are living in a time when persecution against Christian believers is the highest in modern history. According to Open Doors 2019 World Watch List, which is an in-depth investigative report focusing on global Christian persecution, persecution is increasing at an alarming rate. That research list indicates that each day, 11 Christians are killed for their faith in the top 50 countries on the World Watch list. If you go to Open Doors USA, they have an app you can download both in um, iOS and Google for your phone, give you daily reports, who to pray for. Um, I ordered some of those wrist bands to remind me to pray, not that I need it. But I'm going to do it, so that maybe someone will ask me, what is that? And I'll be able to tell them. Christianity Today. The estimate of the number of Christians killed annually for their faith today differs massively. Todd Johnson of the Center for the Study of Global Christianity puts the number of Christians martyred annually at 100,000 by stark Contrast, Christoph Saur of the International Institute for Religious Freedom puts the figure far lower at 8,000 to 9,000 a year. But that's still too many for Michael Austin, a Christian commentator and contributor to the report. Quote, is there a global war in the Christians? He says, that question is asked in this issue and judging from the number of deaths and torture in recent years, my conclusion is yes. And the casualties are staggering. Sadly, the number of Christ heroes and their inspired stories go largely unspoken today, and their cause goes unreported in the popular press. Voice of the Martyrs, Raoul Stoltz, adds that there's not enough awareness in the Western Church. Quote, many Christians in the West either deny or are ignorant of it, but the persecution is part of present reality. So where are their guardian angels? Where was their protection? When you read about the villages in Nigeria or in India or in China or North Korea, I'm sorry, I'm missing something here. If this is an easy peasy, no suffer walk, angels protect you, nothing bad ever happens to you, Demons are afraid of you. If that's the reality, why doesn't the facts line up with that? Why doesn't the word line up with that? I'm not trying to get you depressed. I'm trying to wake you up. 
Now, we're going to be talking about authority in the in the coming weeks. We're going to be talking about how to walk in this fallen world. But I want to get you to understand the nature of this world, the nature of that enemy, the nature of that roaring lion looking to devour you, tear you apart. And no, I'm not going to bring you into spiritual warfare. I'm not going to ask you to help pull down principalities. I'm not going to ask you to do any of those things. But what I am going to ask you to do is get committed to protecting your family and everybody in your sphere of influence. And then maybe inspiring them to do the same. We're going to spiritually get everybody prepared for what's coming. Because if you don't see what's coming, you're either not paying attention or you put your head in the sand. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And again, I am taking scriptures that pertain to this topic, not out of context. The chapter of First James is talking about the trials of being a believer. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience equals endurance and perseverance. Romans chapter 5, starting verse 3, not only that, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you get that? Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient, unswerving endurance. And endurance, which is fortitude, develops maturity of character approved faith, and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of external salvation, of eternal salvation. (laughs) Happening again. I'm getting fired up reading this stuff out loud. And confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You need to stop complaining about the trials and the persecution and everything that's going on in your life and start praising Him. Start praising Him like they did. You want to see your situation change? You want to see your attitude change? Stop moaning and groaning and start praising. Start singing. Start raising your hands because of what you're going through. I know how difficult that is. But faith is a muscle. It must be worked and strengthened. It must be given the ability to increase It's strength. As I've told you, I used to be a head trainer for 10 years. I was a head trainer for one of the biggest, most posh health clubs in New York at that time. Personal trainer to many famous people. Plus, I've been a bodybuilder since I was 12 years old. Muscles that are not exercised do not grow. They do not become stronger. You no longer have endurance. If you don't walk, you don't do the things needed to build up endurance, it won't happen. You don't just suddenly get up and go, I'm going to go walk a couple of miles. No, you better get your body in shape to do that. So we're beginning 2022, and we're going to get our spirit, our spirit man or woman in shape. You're going to be made strong so that you can endure that you can have steadfastness, that every time the enemy comes in and takes a shot, you don't immediately crumble. You don't immediately start griping and crying, oh, I need prayer, I need prayer, please help me. We're in this as a family. When the enemy comes after you, 
I take that personally. When the enemy comes after me, I don't take it personally. I just deal with it. We need to follow the example of the early church. We need to follow the example of our brothers and sisters around the world. Do you know right now more Muslims are getting saved because Yeshua is appearing to them in dreams and visions? Angels are showing up. Folks, we're in a period of time where the enemy is ramping up. The enemy's getting ready for its coming out party. The enemy's getting ready for what it thinks will be its big day, its big year. We should be getting ready too. Now, do these apostles and these writers, do they have any experiential knowledge of what I'm talking about? Well, go with me to Acts chapter 5 when Peter and John were arrested for preaching the gospel at the temple. Acts 5, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Kind of like us. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Well, this got the attention of the Sanhedrin. It got the attention of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were sad, you see, because they couldn't do any of these things. And people were being converted, which means they were probably losing money. Jump down to verse 17. Now the high priest and his officials were Sadducees, you see, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But the angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, brought them out, and then the angel told them, run home and hide. No, that's not what he told them. He told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Don't hide. Go back to where they arrested you and finish preaching the gospel. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. Now, when the high priests and officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. So they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. Well, we know why. The angel came in and said, hey, get out of here. It was an Italian angel. He said, go preach that gospel. So they returned to the council and reported. The jail was securely locked and with guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was in there. So I guess officially they didn't break the law. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed. And somebody came in and said, hey, the guys that you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. I'm going to kind of start paraphrasing here to get through its long section. So they go get them, they bring them back, they hold them for trial, and they say, we gave you strict orders to never again teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. And Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. We must obey God rather than man. The God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, raised Yeshua from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a tree, hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in a place of honor at his right hand as Prince and Messiah. He did this so that the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, who was given by God to those who obey him. Yea, Peter, go for it, man. Don't hold back your words. 
What do you really think, Peter? So now they want to kill him. They're getting ready to kill him. But Gamaliel, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, an expert in the law, very well respected, put the men outside and he basically said to them, it's my advice you leave these men alone. He mentioned some others that came and went. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, it'll soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. They thought about it. They accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and they flogged them, which means they whipped them. They didn't just let them go. They didn't give them a slap on the wrist. They whipped them. And they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Yeshua and let them go. And the apostles, Peter and John, left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Yeshua. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus is the Messiah. They considered it a blessing that they were counted worthy, that they were dignified by the indignity to suffer shame and be exposed to disgrace and pain for the sake of his name. And they didn't shut up. The enemy squeezed them. And out came faith in the gospel. That's warfare. Everybody, oh, I want to cast out demons. I want to confront these things you confront. You want to do warfare? Get people saved, healed, and delivered. You want to do warfare? Preach the gospel. Tell people about Yeshua. Plunder the enemy's camp. Steal their goods. Which are people. They suffered for doing right. So later on when Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 13, about suffering for right and wrong. And he, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Messiah may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Peter understood what he was talking about. He understood that if Yeshua suffered, we would suffer. Why would we, the, the students, be any better than the master? You're following someone who was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him, him being Yeshua, believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. No matter what's going on in your life right now, natural or spiritual, your faith and your hope are in God. They're not in man. They're not in a fallen world system. They're not in politicians, which is really the height of idiocy to expect the people that created the problem to fix their problem that they have been profiting from. My faith and my hope is in God. My faith and my hope is not in a guardian angel or escaping the treatment of a fallen world. My hope is in the resurrected Savior the one who's gone into heaven, sit at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. 
See, the people in Asia Minor at this time were being harassed, persecuted for their faith in Messiah. This was good news. This was good news for them. Why don't we hear this in the American church? Well, I know why. But we need to hear this. We need to be told the truth. This is not an easy walk. It's a hard walk in a hard world. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. See, they felt that way too. Don't let condemnation come on you when you feel like that. He goes on to say, Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. Paul had to be taught to trust in and lean on the Lord for his needs, both natural and spiritual. There is no self-reliance in this walk. We need to get to the place. And I work at this every day, and I'm not always good at it. I'm better at it than I used to be, which would make sense because I've been at this for 33 years. You should get better at something when you've been doing it that long. Psalm 73, 25 and 26, whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? And I have no delight or desire on earth beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the rock and the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you, if we were in a room and could talk, which would be great. If you were honest right now, over the last week, I'll just say the last week, how many times have you griped and complained because of what you're going through? Maybe you even looked up in prayer and said, are you, are you paying attention? You see what I'm going through here? And what you would have heard him say is, yes, and I've given you everything you need to get through it. If you look at the example of the Lord, we talk about red-letter basics. In Matthew chapter 10, he sends out the 12 disciples, and he lists all their names, most of which I just read to you a little while ago, but I'll pick up where he starts speaking. And he tells them, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, Take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, you'll be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings before, because you are my followers. 
but this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death, a father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have called, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called worse names. And I know this very specifically, because somebody called me some bad names, and when I griped about it, the Lord said, what are you talking about? They called me Beelzebub, and that kind of ended, ended the griping session. Picking back up the red-letter basics. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time will be coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm going to jump down here. For everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. And then he ends with, If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, does that sound like an invitation into a country club? Does that sound like an invitation into a social group? No. Not at all. Never was meant to be. We're supposed to be turning the church upside down. I saw a meme once where some the meme said, many of you are sitting at tables that the Lord would be overturning. Compromised, lukewarm Christianity, if you want to call it that. Being a believer in Messiah, if you want to walk a compromised, lukewarm walk, that's not what I'm here for. I can't help you with that walk. But if you want to walk the walk the Lord intended, if you want to live the life that he intended, if you want to become an annoyance, a pebble in the shoe of Asatan and the fallen, that no matter what they do, they can't get away from it. No matter what they do, they can't shut you up. then you're in the right place. If you want to walk strong and stand tall, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to lay hands on the sick, if you want to speak a word in due season, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit to be manifested inside of you the way He intended, you're in the right place. Because the world needs you. Your family needs you. People that are lost in dead churches need you. People that are following people that they shouldn't be following need you. They don't need your condemnation. They don't even need your correction. They need you to speak the word the Holy Spirit wants you to speak that opens their eyes and their ears and changes their mind. Enduring faith is what it's going to take in the days weeks, months, and years ahead. The kind of faith that the Book of Acts church had. Like I said, it took almost 100 years because before they embraced the insult and decided, hey, this is a good name, we'll take it. 
I'm a believer. I'm a believer in the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, Yeshua, known in the non-Jewish world as Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my master. He's my friend. He's my everything. And I'm going to tell people about him. I'm never going to shut up. I'm never going to back down. I'm going to do my best to follow the example of the book of Acts Church and the men and women of faith over the years. I completely left out the heroes of faith of Hebrews 11. We'd have been here all night. And I could go on weeks in this, but if you're hungry, you'll look. If you want to know, you'll open your Bible, you'll dust it off, or whatever it is you're doing, app or whatever, and start saying, I want this walk that he's talking about. I want the confidence. I want the freedom. I don't want the condemnation or the fear or the guilt the enemy's putting upon me. Listen to me now. You know who I'm talking to. You are worthy. Now I know that because Yeshua died for you. You're worthy. If you've made him Lord of your life, his blood has covered your sins. You're worthy. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life when the end comes and you stand before the great judgment seat. He's going to look at the Father and say, this one's one of mine. And you go to the light into an eternal rest with him. So you're worthy. No matter what's happening right now, he loves you. You're worthy. The faith that you need to get through what you need to get through is right there for you. It's inside of you. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. So, Father, I pray for your children right now, your sons, your daughters. I pray for them. I pray that they would receive this, Lord. Maybe they have to listen to it again. Maybe they need to let the words be embedded into their mind and their spirit. Maybe they need to stare at that word and receive it. Whatever it's going to take, you tell them. Break off from them all the curses, all the condemnation, all the lies, and all the things that have been spoken upon them, whether by mothers or fathers or husbands or wives or sons or daughters or family members or friends, whatever it is right now, let the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Yeshua, wash those things off of you and heal those wounds. Be filled with the Holy Spirit so that both the fruit and the gifts manifest in your life for those that need them. They're hungry. They thirst. They hurt. Father, right now I pray that your children would rise up and do what you need them to do, to be about their father's business. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. If you haven't figured it out yet, Richard's always been a little intense. He's always been a little serious. I'm locked in right now. As we say sometimes in SRT, we're locked and loaded. We're going to set some people free. We're going to destroy the work of the enemy. We're going to kick in some doors. We're going to pull down some strongholds. We're going to set the captives free. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grant. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.